Your family is traveling, but you have a new baby, and you'd prefer not to have sleepless nights for both you and your little one while you're away. So how do you make sleep work while you're traveling from point A to point B? And once you get to your location, how do you create the best sleep environment possible so everyone wakes up nice and rested? This is Newbies. He's gorgeous. Um, it's a girl. Surprise! The whole family's here. So when are you having the next one? It's just poop. Ready for another? Wow, you look really tired. Ready to go back to work? Yellow poop? Seriously? Did you sterilize this? Sex? Now? You've got to be joking. You should sleep when the baby sleeps. She doesn't look anything like you. I thought you already had your baby. I did. Babies don't come with instructions, so there's Newbies, helping new moms and new babies through the first year. Welcome to Newbies. Newbies is your online, on-the-go support group guiding new mothers through their baby's first year. I'm Sunny, I'm a mom of four, and I'm so happy you decided to join us today. We've got a great show in just a bit. We're gonna be talking all about baby sleep, and that is definitely a hot-button topic for all you mamas out there. I know, I've been there, done that. Now, if you haven't already, be sure to visit our website at newmommymedia.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter which keeps you updated on all of our episodes that we release each week. And another great way to stay updated is to hit that subscribe button. Whatever platform you're on right now, take a moment, hit subscribe. And if you're looking for a way to get even more involved with our show, then check out our membership club. It's called Mighty Moms. And if you go to our website, you're going to see all the banners there on the front page. That's where we chat more about the topics that we discuss here on our show. And it's a great way to learn more about our recordings so you have an opportunity to join us live. How fun is that? All right, stay right there, mamas. We'll be right back. Today on Newbies, we're focusing on our baby's sleep, you know, trying to get them to sleep in their own environment. Well, that can be challenging at first. So what do you need to do when you travel? What should you be keeping in mind? Because your environment probably is going to look a little bit different, right? Well, our expert today is Jen Varela. She is a certified gentle sleep coach and the owner of Sugar Night Night in San Diego, California. Jen has clients not only in San Diego, but across the country and even in other countries. So be sure to check her out online. Jen, thanks so much for joining us and welcome to Newbies. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Jen, we're often told as new moms, we're told to sleep when our baby sleeps. But when we're traveling, we may be sleeping at different times. Perhaps the lengths of our sleep (laughs) may be changing. So how important is it to stick to a sleep schedule when you and your baby are away from home? Well, so first of all, I'm just going to say, yay, you get to travel. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Okay. Oh, my gosh, right? So um, I think it's great. And new experiences for your little ones is a wonderful thing. Yeah. Um, So I think, you know, just first of all, the reality is you're going to have to be a little bit flexible. Um, If you get real tight with it, then it's almost like, why even go? (laughs) Uh, Because there's going to be lots of things that you'll just have to flex with, right? And it usually takes about three to five days if you're moving into if you're into an, another time zone. Okay. Um, so rather than getting really rigid on how your 
schedule is at home and what it is on travel, there's a couple key things that can just help make that transition as smooth as possible. Um, and so one of those is try mimicking what the awake windows are at home, especially for the last awake window. So instead of looking at it from a 12 hour clock, Mm -hmm. Look at it from if you have a six month old and you normally have um, your last nap, let's say from five to five thirty, and so then um, bedtime is somewhere between seven thirty and eight because you have like a two two and a half hour awake window there. Right. Use that to help get you started uh, for anchoring on the new time zone. And or if you're not in a new time zone, still using that so you don't have an overtired baby when it's time to go to sleep. So if you were going to protect one wake window in the day, it would be the last one of the day. Okay. And then you might just want to keep a little log to know overall sleep because once, if they get really short on sleep, that can create a lot of havoc um, too. So you just want to make sure they don't get too depleted. Um, but instead of getting really crazy about, it has to be this schedule, protecting that last wake window is really um, a big help. I want to talk a little bit about circadian rhythms, right? You hear a lot about this. And as adults, I feel like that's kind of a hot button word. <laughs> you know, we're always trying to get mm. enough sleep and, you know, stay in our rhythm, whatever that is. So for kids or you know, specifically for, for babies, at what point do babies start to get into that rhythm? So I just think it's so interesting. So Dr. Polly Moore, who I know you're very familiar with because yeah. she's been on your um, podcast before. Uh, she talks about how um, the circadian rhythm, the 24-hour rhythms are usually established in the 46 week after conception or about six weeks after a full-term baby. Okay. So, um, and Dr. Jody Mendel, um, she's a PhD. She talks about too that it's that, that circadian timing is really developed over the first six months of life as a result of how the brain's developing and then social, environmental, and light and dark cycles. Um, so there's a couple different things that really set that circadian rhythm. And it's interesting how like sunshine plays a role in the brain's production of melatonin. So it is definitely tied to, you know, our hours of daylight, but as far as when their little systems kick in, um, it's about six weeks. Um, okay. mm -hmm. but then it develops over the next six months. So how concerned do we need to be with this? I mean, it, once it's, you know, I mean, it obviously depends on how old your baby is, but let's say, you know, we're talking to moms now that have really young babies in that six month or so time frame. Do we really need to be concerned about these rhythms or do they just kind of naturally form? And if they get off schedule, how difficult is it to get them back on schedule? So um, if you look at the, the body clock, the way the body clock is set, it's by consistent uh, wake times in the morning and sleep times at night, meal placement, so feedings and light. When they're really little, if you feel like they have their day and night mixed up, so they when they first come into the world, you shouldn't be having like super long night awakenings. I would want you to talk to your doctor about that and mm -hmm. talk to the doctor about should you be waking the baby during naps during the day. I don't think you should just do that to do that. I think if a baby's sleeping, you should let them sleep. However, if you feel like their day and nights are mixed up, I would definitely be under the direction of the pediatrician. So one 
or the ways you can kind of get their circadian rhythm set um, is first making sure you're getting sunshine during the day. That's, that is going to be the key more than almost anything else. Um, so with older children, you could say, you know, if you can get 20 minutes of sunshine before 10 AM, mm-hmm. that can be really helpful in setting, um, the body clock. So waking the little one, um, in the morning, I, again, with the newborns, I'm not real keen on doing that, but if you're getting closer to six months of age, yes, that can be really helpful um, to keeping a consistent morning wake-up time. And then um, that feeding schedule also, too, having that be consistent can really help um, set the body clock. So taking a look at your day, right? We know one day can vary very much, like vary from one day to the next, right? right. So again, I'm going to go back to that last wake window. If, if things are kind of getting a little crazy, be mindful of where you're placing the last nap so you can get the right awake window so they don't get that cortisol surge at the end of the day, right before bedtime. And then all of a sudden your bedtime's too late. Um, So being mindful where you place that last nap is also um, valuable. Earlier, you were talking about changing time zones. And that was a, that's a whole other thing that actually I didn't even think about in, in, in this topic. But there may be some parents, especially if you're hopping on a plane with your baby, you mm-hmm. may be going, you know, on a completely different schedule, right? Daylight might be your nighttime, you know, wherever you're going. Mm-hmm. Um, what tips do you have for parents that are completely just getting out of whack because of the time zones? And, you know, what do you do with your baby at that point? When you arrive at the new place, do what you can to to watch that last wake window for where you're starting um, bedtime. And then in the morning, um, you know, depending which way you're shifting it, I wouldn't shift them more than a maximum of an hour trying to get towards the new time zone. Okay. Um, with wake up time. Okay. Uh, it depends on which way you're going on how that looks, but right. bottom line is I'm just saying it usually takes about three to five days regardless okay. of what you do. Okay. Um, <laughs> There's no way to rush it. <laughs> kind of. I mean, not, not a lot. And then the only other thing that's really interesting is that people that um, like take beach vacations, they often find that like, oh, they're so much more rested. There's something to be said about how we're tied to the earth. And if, you know, with babies, you're not going to put their feet in the dirt, but if you can, <laughs> you know, get your feet like in the sand, you know, get your feet, you know, touching the earth that can really help tie you to that place on earth where you are, yeah, which can help with the circadian rhythm. That is so interesting that you said that because my family and I, we love to go to the beach. So here in San Diego, we can go to the beach. We're fortunate. And I have to admit when we go, I always get sleepy. Yeah. There is something that, like I hear the waves. I just want to lay down on a blanket mm-hmm. and go to sleep. And now that you said that, I'm thinking mm-hmm. there totally is something connected to that. I think so. And then I'm not sure exactly which one it is, but there's something that the ocean produces. I think it's serotonin, but that it um, that it gives you the good feeling. So there's actually a um, that we're totally off topic, but yeah, it's okay, it, yeah. <laughs> But my point is, is, yeah, it's fascinating, right? (laughs) We're tied to the earth and all that's going on for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And the sounds of the ocean and all that. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show is sounds for your baby. But there is, there's something to that. Okay. We'll we'll get back on track. Okay. All right. Sorry. (laughs) I digress. No, that was me. That was totally me. Um, (laughs) Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the the travel part. Like when you're going from point A Mm -hmm. to point B, let's start with travel 
doing in the car? You know, specifically for sleep, right? Because there's a lot to consider for parents as mm-hmm. you're traveling. But mm-hmm. I know a lot of parents that are like, and, and this may have to do with slightly older children, but they're like, we're going to hit the road when it's, you know, nighttime out. So, you know, the, the, the kids will just sleep through it. But from a baby's perspective, like what kind mm-hmm. of travel tips can you give us when driving in a car to wherever you're going? Yeah. So one would be, you know, make sure you're getting opportunity to have a break. That little one should be out of that car seat every two hours. Okay. Um, so just from, you know, physical health even wise. Sure. Um, so, you know, make room on your drive for a break. Um, and of course, never leave a car, a baby in the car by themselves. Those temperatures can get hot really fast. Um, and, you know, what I would say as far as what you're talking about, the timing i have found because we 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 do long trips as a family um i would actually leave at like four in the morning because they're still probably going to go back to sleep in the car right um and then you'll have on a short wake period of time and get a little breakfast and then they'll probably be ready for the nap again and then there you go so i find timing wise for sleep um leaving basically in the middle of the night is most beneficial when you're doing a car trip. Um, and then if you're going to somewhere where, you know, maybe you're from San Diego and now you're going to go to the mountains where the snow is and stuff, keep in mind that, you know, when you're putting the little one in the car seat, you want to just have them be in normal layered clothes, thin layers. You don't want them in the snow suits and all that stuff because it will compress um, if there was an accident. So then the straps would be too loose. Um, so I think that's just something to, you know, be mindful of too. Like how, how much are you layering your baby? You don't want them to be too hot right. in that car seat. Yeah. Well, if they're too hot, they're not going to sleep well, right? Or too cold, whatever. Yeah. Some babies will get really, really hot and sweat and sleep and that's not good. Mm. Right? Yep. Okay. So that was driving in a car. What tips do you have for parents that are traveling in a plane, right? They're getting on a plane with their kiddo. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you know, when you're getting on a plane or when you schedule your flight, you don't have a lot of control over when you're flying, right? A lot Mm -hmm. of times it's that was the only flight available or whatever. So yeah, what what tips do you have for parents? Yeah, I mean, yes, if you can get that red eye so that it's, you know, sleeping time, that that would be great, right? Um, But if you can't... um, it's fascinating to me. There are for little ones, um, some airlines, um, have, um, airline bassinets. And so it's, it's connected, um, to the bulkhead wall, um, right behind the galley. So if you can get one of those sky cots, I mean, that's a dream situation. Um, so it's usually under six months and, or under 20 pounds and not able to sit up yet. Uh So that's, one kind of cool thing. Another is some um, air, uh, airlines have sleeper seats. And so for an extra fee, um, you can book three seats in a row and do seat extensions. So you're basically creating like a couch. Okay. Um, there are also, and these are kind of new inflatable seat extensions. Um, so again, you're going to want to check with the, so basically it, it's an inflatable um, and allows your little baby to like lay down. Okay. Um, but you're going to want to check with the airline as to what they will um, allow. Um, but definitely during, you know, takeoff and landing, you want them in that car seat. Um, it's, 
I know that a lot of airlines will let you have a baby on your lap um, under two years of age, but it's still recommended by the American Association of Pediatrics um, that they're in um, a car seat in the um, seat. And you can find out if your car seat is airplane compliant um, by taking a look at um, the manufacturer um, recommendations. It will say if they are airline certified, but you can also look at the FAA website. Um, and there's another one called CARES, C-A-R-E-S, Airplane Safety Harness for Children. Website. Oh, I've seen that before. I've seen that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's nice about that is you've already created a sleep space for them. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So whether they're awake or not, because I remember traveling with my little kids and um, a lot of the times it was, you know, me, you know, having yep. the baby on my lap. And not only was I completely uncomfortable, um, sure. but most of the time they were too. Although I yeah. will say sometimes it was helpful for like, especially when they were really little, but like some oh, skin yeah. to skin or, you know, sure. it was also soothing, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. One other quick thing too, sorry, I forgot to mention was this. You also don't really want them in the aisle seat because mm -hmm. when they're doing the beverage service, that can be a little uh, risky. Oh yeah. So you want to get closer to the window. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. My kids are older now, but they always want the window anyway. So I'm like, you get in there first. And then I feel, I don't know, I feel like I'm kind of protecting them a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, get, yeah I get it. There's also, you know, the basic one that everybody covers, you know, the ear pain, right? So you want right. to have them, you know, drinking or breastfeeding. Like, how do you do that with them in the car seat? And you and your thing, it's a little awkward, but yeah, um, definitely sucking can make a big difference, right? When they're, yeah, when you're taking off. Will babies, and I'm yeah. sure it kind of depends on the baby, but do babies normally wake up with that ear pain or can they kind of sleep through that if, if they're asleep for takeoff and landing? That's a great question. I That might be outside of my area of expertise to okay. be able to answer that. I, I think I would, my guess on that would be it's based on temperament. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how far deep in a sleep are they, right? Right. <laughs> Did yeah. they just fall asleep yeah. or are they in that nice, you know, the REM sleep or whatever? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Awesome. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Guys, when we come back, we're going to have more tips to help your baby sleep while traveling. We're going to ask Jen more about how to create the ideal sleep environment. So that way, when you get to your location, you know exactly what's needed. Even if, you know, we're, we're cutting out some of the fancy stuff usually when we're traveling, right? We need the bare essentials. So we'll figure out what those are when we come back. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hanna Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hanna quality for your most precious gift. Hanna Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Welcome back to Newbies. We are continuing our discussion with baby sleep expert Jen Varela from Sugar Night Night. Now, Jen, before the break, we were talking about how to help your baby sleep when you're physically traveling from point A to point B. We were talking about the car and planes, things like that. Now, let's assume you're at your location. You have arrived. And 
in theory, you may have more control over the environment. So let's talk about basic sleep necessities. What ultimately do parents physically need for their babies to get the best sleep possible? So I'm always going to say safety first, right? Safety first. So if you are in a hotel and you're renting a crib, you're going to want to make sure that the crib is up to safety standards. So doing a call ahead and checking if there's any recalls on that crib, um, I think that's really key. So check that out. The other next piece on that would be some mattresses have a toddler side and an infant side. So make sure you're using the appropriate side if that mattress has two different sides to it. Okay. And, you know, if somebody's getting a crib for you, like you're going to a friend's house and they're borrowing a crib or whatever, that recall piece still sticks in place. And then you just want to make sure that when it was assembled, that they're just there wasn't any missing pieces, right? So you don't want it collapsing. So from the standpoint of the crib, safety first on that. Um, And then with regards to, you know, bedding and all that, right? Less is more. So it should just basically be a fitted sheet, a fitted mattress pad Mm -hmm. and baby. So if you need to get them warmer, then layer them up with footy pajamas or wearable blankets. Okay. And also take a look at, is there any like cords within three feet of the crib. So if you're in a hotel and it's got like the curtains, you don't want them to be able to get their little hands on any cords. So, so keep that in mind. As far as room basics go, you know, 68 to 74 degrees is key. Um, a dark room is ideal. Um, Hotels, that's pretty easy to do if you're doing an Airbnb or something like that. Maybe not as easy. There are some really great products out there for room darkening that are um, portable. Okay. So um, you could check out some of that. And then remember that any lights that are blue or green, it tells your brain it's daytime. So you want to see if you can figure out a way to cover up any blue lights. You want just like red or amber light. Interesting. um, Okay. In the room. Yeah. Um, there are travel white noise machines that can be really helpful. Um, so if you have one that you're using at home, it would be nice if you could bring that with you, especially if it's one that could really travel with you. Um, so on like tips, I would say one is, um, if you're going to use a pack and play, I like to have them use the pack and play in their room, uh, a few nights before the trip. Mm. So they get used to that environment in a familiar room. Okay. Um, so I would do it like three days before I would do two days. Then the last day I would do back in the crib so they get a good night's sleep. Okay. Um, a backup for safety. If you're like, oh, I don't know if that crib is really as safe as I thought it was going to be. You can always pull the crib mattress out and put it on the floor um, and sleep next to them where they're on the crib mattress and you're on the floor. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that because, you know, sometimes you kind of get stranded or maybe it's just me. I, I have the worst luck sometimes with flights. And I remember, so my first son, I was traveling, I think cross country with him and it was just me and him. And our last flight got canceled. 
So they put us up in a hotel room. But I was so, oh my gosh, Jen, I was so unprepared for this. So sometimes, you know, you don't have a chance to check out the crib stuff or whatever. And um, I think think that's actually what I ended up doing. I had a play mat that was with me and I put it on the ground and, you know, kind of did a sheet around it, tucked it under because it really wasn't even a fitted sheet, right? Um, Uh And then laid down next to him because I was so scared that if I put him on a bed, you know, there was no railing or anything, you know? And, you know, he was at that age where he could have rolled or done whatever. And so I thought, well, the floor, the floor makes sense. I mean, I know that sometimes that sounds a little gross, but, you know, safety first, right? Yeah, right. Yep. And on that note too, I would want to mention, you know, the car seats, they're really not meant for the babies to sleep in those when they're not in the base that goes with it. So, you know, you might think, oh, well, we'll just have them sleep in the car seat in yeah. the hotel room, but they are not sitting in the right position. And there has been some real tragedies with babies sleeping in car seats that are not in their base. Mm. So I'm just going to throw that out there is it would seem like, oh, well, at least that's sanitary and it's better and whatever, but it, it, it really wouldn't, you always want to get them on a flat surface. Okay. So you mentioned pack and plays, and I want to talk a little bit about pack and plays. You can also have bassinets. You know, I know we use these in our homes all the time, and now they do make products that are nice and compact. I mean, I I remember the pack and play that I had when my kids were little was pretty big. It was even hard to get it through doorways. I'm I'm sure they've got better products now. (laughs) Um, But I loved bassinets. Um, I had this for my twins. I had twin bassinets, and man, Mm -hmm. these little things were on rollers, and I'd roll these things all around and uh, put them right next to the bed and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. these things are lightweight and uh, really compact, honestly. So if you guys are wondering, you know, I don't want to rely on a crib being available or something like that. I encourage you guys to check out some of the stuff out there because it really is impressive. I I wish a lot of this stuff was around when my kids were little, you know? Yeah, I think they are a great alternative. And just the key is that you just need to make sure that the mattress is firm and tight fitting so there's no gaps, right? Right. And that the sheet that you're using for that product is designed for that product. Okay. So, so long as, you know, that's all lining up, I think that they're fine, whether it's bassinet or a pack and play. It's interesting because cribs are all made in the same standard size um, so that the crib mattresses fit perfectly. But with all these other different products, you know, a tight fitting sheet um, is key, which also is something that I recommend when traveling. If you have a standard crib you're using and you have your standard crib sheet, bringing that with you unwashed can bring a nice scent from home and familiar. Right. Um, So I like to say, bring that bring that dirty sheet if you're going to use the crib. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Your kid will love you for it. Yeah. (laughs) So you can check the Consumer Product Safety Commission to know if the particular product that you're using meets those standards. Okay, great. There's some other things that get thrown out there, especially in a lot of mommy blogs and stuff that I wanted to get your feedback on. So um, we hear a lot about the sound machines like to to improve your sleep. I know you mentioned white noise earlier, but you can have them do all sorts of stuff and play all sorts of stuff. Typically speaking, do you recommend that, especially when we're traveling? You know, I'm thinking if babies have that normally, you know, to to your point earlier of taking the sheet with you, right? If they have that normally, Maybe it helps to have some sort of travel size, something to take with you. But but what do you think? Yeah. So I think if, first of all, if, if you're used to having it at home, you want to make the environment 
as similar as possible on all the senses, right? Yeah. So I think you're probably going to want it. I do like this whole concept of womb to room. And so when you think about in the womb, in that embryonic sound, right, it does sort of mimic that. Um, So I think in the first year, if it's helpful to be a, a nice sound uh, shield from outside sounds coming in. I'm I'm all for it. The key though is 50 decibels um, is the very loudest that um, is acceptable. So the American Association of Pediatrics puts out that they recommend that it's no louder than 50 decibels, and you want it at least seven feet away from the babies where the baby's sleeping. Okay. So you want to protect their hearing. And, and on that note, not all babies like white noise, right? So I wouldn't start experimenting with it on vacation. Um, I'd probably figure that at home if that's something they like. And then with regards to the sound, I highly recommend as low of a sound you can get is ideal. So like that big, huge box fan sound mm-hmm. um, is the most important, you don't want a high zing, zinging sound. Okay. You don't want that. Okay. Um, and definitely anything that's looping. You don't want something that is um, looping or has any high pitches. So I'm not a big fan of um, even like ocean and that kind of stuff because it can be looping. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God forbid they got a seagull in there. Um, so, <laughs> right? So, I'm all for just the low sounds um, is ideal. And music also could be relaxing and a good sleep cue that sleep's coming, but it can be intellectually stimulating. Mm. So I say do the music before you do the lights out. And then keep in mind too, there's like these um, different ones out there that will be on for like 45 minutes and then they turn off. Well, that could be disruptive to your child's sleep because if they fell asleep one way, they transition in sleep cycles and now that sound is not there. It could be really stimulating. So if you're going to use something when they fall asleep, then I'd say use it all night. Oh, okay. I haven't heard that before. Mm-hmm. Makes you wonder why they have these things that time out, you know? I know? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's maybe they thought on, you know, you're going to do a 45 minute walk in the stroller. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it does just crack me up that all the baby monitors seem to have like blue and green lights that are in the dark. <laughs> like, they obviously did not talk to a baby sleep expert. <laughs> Come on. What is going on, right? It just cracks me up. Like all of this development and product and everything. And seriously. So, yeah. Uh, sometimes these sound machines, they also have these images. Like they can project images like stars and sheep and all this kind of stuff on the ceiling. I, I realize that can be stimulation. Again, I think. During the bedtime routine as a cue sounds great, but I just think that they have to then look for that in the middle of the night that in and of itself could be stimulating. So I'm I'm kind of a Debbie Downer on that. (laughs) That's okay. We need to know this stuff. Um, And the other thing I heard moms talking about online were having soothing smells in the room. So I'm assuming some sort of aromatherapy kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. What What do you think about that? Well, so... Let me start from safety side first, and then I'll finish on the other side. So newborn sense of smell is significantly more sensitive than older babies. Um, And so we also know that fragrance products can be risky because their little lungs are still developing Mm -hmm. um, and they could be an irritant. So prior to three months of age, I'm going to say best not to use anything. Okay. Okay. 
However, when you're at an age where you feel like your doctor's going to give you the thumbs up, um, smells are very special sensory input and they affect the brain differently than any other sense. And it can do this lovely connection with the conscious and unconscious brain in the limbic system to do memories and feelings. And so it can be a lovely way to cue it's time to go to sleep because you're in the sleep zone, mm-hmm. right? So there, there's something to be said about creating these rituals, and one of those can be smell. And lavender and chamomile mm-hmm. are great. I mean, vanilla and rose smell lovely. Rosemary can also be another really nice one. So I think if you are past three months of age, you get the thumbs up from your pediatrician. I think it can be lovely. This is awesome. So thank you, Jen. This was really good information. I know our listeners are going to love this. Mamas, be sure to check out Jen's website. It's sugarnightnight.com. And remember, you know, she does stuff online. She can do consultations and stuff online. So it really doesn't matter where you're located. If you'd like to work with Jen, be sure to check out her website for more information. And you can also visit our website, which is newmommymedia.com. And you can search for Jen because Jen's been on our shows quite a bit. And if you search for Jen, you're going to see all the other episodes she's done with that. So be sure to check that out. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to newbies. Don't forget to check out our sister shows. We have Preggy Pals for expecting parents, parent savers for moms and dads with toddlers, the boob group for moms who give breast milk to their babies, and twin talks for parents of multiples. Thanks for listening to newbies, your go-to source for new moms and new babies. This has been a New Mommy Media Production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating healthcare problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare provider. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, mamas, don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.